Hello, and many thanks for your company as you join us on Search for Truth, your Bible study program with teacher Brian Johnston. Brian progresses to chapter 13 of Mark's Gospel this week, and it makes sombre reading. It's sad and solemn. There's some prophecy, both fulfilled and some still to happen, and that's quite scary. And without the sure hope we Christians have of Jesus' return to take us away from these things, these terrible things, it would truly be a message of doom, which it is, of course, for all those who fail in one way or another to accept Christ through faith. So, let's continue our study now with Brian. Thanks, John. And as you've said, Mark at this point, his 13th chapter, has arrived within the last week of Jesus' life on earth. That's the week that lies between so-called Palm Sunday, which saw his entrance into Jerusalem when he was greeted with hosannas, and a week later, the Resurrection Sunday. During that week, between those two Sundays, Jesus has been talking about judgment, about a fig tree, and about the Jerusalem temple. At the beginning of chapter 13, we find Jesus' disciples also talking about the temple. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? Mark presents the disciples' interest as specifically being about the end of the temple. And on this point, Jesus' words in Mark's Gospel were fulfilled about 40 years later. This was when, responding to a revolt by Jewish zealots, Emperor Nero commissioned Vespasian and his son Titus to end the uprising. From 66 until 70 AD, Jerusalem and the surrounding area was plagued by war, which laid the city bare, destroying both it and its temple. Matthew, in his gospel account of the same incident, phrases the questions asked more generally as being about the sign of the Lord's coming and the end of the age. This helps us to see there's a broader aspect to Jesus' answer, even the one given here, than simply being about what transpired in first century history. History, or should we say prophecy, was destined to repeat itself. Anyone who's looked at other examples of Bible prophecy will be aware of this phenomenon. But let's give one example by turning to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. When first spoken, this was directed primarily at the then king Ahaz. He was the king of southern Israel, and his difficulty was that northern Israel and Syria had joined together in opposition to him. The sign in question, one which he received, concerned a female who was a virgin at the time when Isaiah spoke his message, but she would soon marry and have a baby. That boy would still be young, 
when the Syrian-Northern Israel alliance would come to be broken. That then was the contemporary fulfilment of the prophecy, which pinpointed a name and a designated timescale. But centuries later, the Holy Spirit led Matthew to quote the same prophecy as a statement that was also true of a genuine virgin birth. This is the first of many prophecies referring to Jesus Christ given by Isaiah around 700 years ahead of his birth. We can treat Mark chapter 13 now in the same twofold way, with a partial fulfilment in the 40 years that followed Jesus speaking, but with the main fulfilment still to happen. Let's read on from verse 5 of Mark chapter 13. And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Now most of that had an application in the first century, Even some of what follows had a partial fulfilment then too, because we read on, You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation, standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Now, here's where we find a big clue that this prophecy also referred to the end of things that's still to come. This language is developed from the book of Daniel, which states, His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Now, this was a prophecy that seemed to have found fulfilment in history during the Jewish struggle under a notorious persecutor by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. The story is told that they set up a desolating sacrilege at that time on the Jewish temple altar of burnt offering. When this abomination that causes desolation disgraced the temple in the past, it took the form of a pagan altar set up on the altar of God. It follows that Jesus, having this in mind, was referring to an object that would disgrace the temple once again at the time when it was nearing its destruction. But rather than just being about past history and also about the disciples' near future, this prophecy is also about a yet-to-be-fulfilled future. Jesus' statements were fulfilled in regard to the destruction under the invading Romans in the first century. However, the most important aspects of his prophecy were not fulfilled in the destruction in AD 70. In order to show the difference, I want to draw your attention to two clues 
both found in Mark chapter 13 and verse 14. The first is the wording, let the reader understand. This implies there was a meaning for later readers of Mark's gospel, and not only a meaning for Jesus' immediate hearers. Then there are the words, when you see. Whom do they refer to? To find out, we need to read on from verse 19. For those days will be a time of tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which God created, until now, and never will. Please note the words, those days will be a time of tribulation. Now let's read further. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. The intriguing question is, which generation does Jesus refer to? The only answer that can be given in context is that it has to refer to the generation who see the days of tribulation. And this means tribulation with a capital T, for Jesus said it would be unprecedented in its ferocity. For future Jewish believers whose trust is in Jesus as Messiah, rescue comes in the form of the Son of Man coming in clouds. Verse 26. Once again, this Son of Man language is taken from the book of Daniel. Jesus did not return in AD 70, so it now becomes clear that the first century fall of Jerusalem and the coming of the Son of Man are separated in time as two fulfilments of the same prophecy. Other Bible passages, such as the ending of the book of the prophet Zechariah, predict the Messiah Jesus, described as the pierced one, returning to this earth at a time when the city of Jerusalem has again been a burdensome stone to many nations at the end of history. Faithful Jews in their beleaguered city are rescued from something worse still than the Holocaust, when Jesus will return in the future as the Son of Man. Now we'll come back to verse 28 of chapter 13. Now learn the parable from the fig tree, Jesus says. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he's near, right at the door. The parable of the fig tree signals the truthfulness of Jesus' words. The fig tree, as it begins to bloom, indicates that summer will come soon. The generation that sees these signs can equally know the return of Jesus to this earth will be soon, and they will also see it. The parable of the fig tree may also look back to the earlier cursed fig tree in chapter 11. That tree had only leaves and was cursed because it bore no fruit. It stood for the temple and its custodians. But this other mention of a fig tree is preparing for a time when there will be a future harvest, blessing for some, judgment for others, when Jesus returns as promised.
As you probably know, there's a book which contains all the transcripts of the talks in this series, and it's yours for the asking. Just write in by post or email and ask for Take Your Marks Gospel. And you can do this by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know as well that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air, that is by audio podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to the uh, web address uh, www.searchfortruth.podbean.com you can browse the list of previous talks which are there, sorted into categories and you can then find what you're looking for more easily so I hope you get on with it okay Uh, we've almost reached the end of today's programme and I hope you profited from the study found it interesting so please join us again next week if you can we'd love to see you for further teaching in the Gospel of Mark until then it's cheerio and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. Yay.